Welcome to the final of our series in the household. Uh, it's been a good series uh, for me. I think it's been uh, hopefully a good series for you. We're really stoked. This is an amazing thing that we've rolled out, membership covenants. Um, and I'm excited about just even the opportunity to have a dialogue and communication over what this is. And so if you've got questions about that, we want to hear about them. We don't take this lightly in any way. And what we will do every year is we will ask you to up your membership covenant. So we will do this every year where you come back and you say, I'm, I'm, I'm once again, I'm in for this year. And that's because things change over the, y- over the year. And, and people leave. And, and in order to keep it kind of current, in order for us to, to be able to know who we're caring for better, we want to know the people that are signing the covenants. And so we're going to do this each year. So I think this is going to be an important um, moment for our church uh, to finish up this series and kind of roll this thing out. But we're in a series called The Household, and today's message is called The Household. And that's because we're dealing with a text from where we actually get that phrase, the household. So if you want to know if this is an important sermon, I would say, yes, it is. It's very important to us. And this is one of those sermons that is a 40,000 kind of foot view. Maybe 40,000 is overstating it a little bit. Uh, Maybe it's like a 24,000 foot view. I don't know if you've ever flown over Calgary and you're like, I live there. And someone's like, where? And you're like, there. And you just kind of point generally to Calgary. Um, that's how I feel that all we can do this morning when we talk about community. We can't get into all the specifics of what it means to be in community. We're just going to do the 24,000 foot view of kind of like how community is actually formed. When, when you, uh, I want you to think about this as you begin to hear God's word in regards to community. You see, I, I believe that no matter who you are, no matter your ethnicity, no matter your age, There's something about you that drives you toward community. Yes, I'm still talking to you introverts. Some of of us immediately have a a barrier that says, well, I don't really need community because I'm an introvert. I have all that I need within myself. Well, I say that's impossible, actually, because of how God built us. And I think even when you look at our culture, you see this constant pursuit of some form of community not always deep it's not always that great when you you can even take a look at the television programs of the last 30 years and thanks to netflix we now can all watch them in the same hour and you can tell i can tell how old you are by how much you laugh at a particular sitcom that i mentioned this morning so if you're if you're if you grew up in my age it was it was the cosby show family ties amen no, this r- group right here is like, what? Family ties? Yeah, exactly. Where mom and dad loved each other, they were at home, a- and dad was not a moron like he is now. And then, and then things progressed, and then you get things like Simpsons that really people were like, Simpsons is about family. But my mom hated Simpsons. Of course, she doesn't really care for any sarcasm at all, so that, that was part of it. Um, but there was that era where dad began to be kind of a moron and, and the family dog holds everyone together, you know, that sort of sitcom. And then there's kind of this mixed up, but, but see, there's still a pursuit of community and family there. And then you have kind of the more recent, you have Big Bang Theory, you have Two Broke Girls. There's no parents around at all. This is just college people. And then there's, there's the Friends Seinfeld era. That was probably the height of all that was good and right about television right? I mean, I say that facetiously because there's some things that happen in those shows that set a pace for our culture for life. Suddenly, words that we were afraid to talk about were open. Relationships and distortions of relationships that used to be taboo were suddenly, it was fine. But there was still this sense in which, why, why would we love shows like Seinfeld and Friends? And if you're a little bit older, like Cheers, they kind of overlap, right? Cheers. Because you felt like you belonged somewhere. You, f- you didn't feel necessarily judged. When you were hurt, there was someone to kind of work through things with you. There was laughter. There was a place even. Some of, these, some of these shows like Friends, they had a place that we wanted. 
I remember pretending like this is, this is our central perk. We're going to go here and we're going to pretend to be like, I know, don't laugh, you've thought it too. <laughs> well, what was that? Was that just making stuff up in our brains, wanting to be like TV show? Or was that, there's some sort of gene inside of us that God made us to somehow desire a community in some form. That we're just longing for. You see, the thing, the, the thing I believe is that when you look at the story of God, you see uh, right away that there's community. When God creates the world, there's community. That's why it's called the Trinity. God, and this, this, this is crazy for some of us, but God, three in one, there's a community right in the description of God. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, each with different roles, and yet there's a oneness there. In fact, this is the one uh, kickback that, that the Jews originally had against Christianity. As you're saying, wait a second, we, we want a oneness of God. You're talking about a threeness of God, and that doesn't work. We've been told God is one. And Christians came along and said, well, actually, God is one in three. Trying to figure that one out. Trying to explain that to a three-year-old. I know, I have the same issue. But there's this trinity right off the beginning. There's this community, there's this family right off the hop, right off the story of God. And, and then there's unity with God and people right away, and everything is good. And then it all goes bad, and they sin, and they essentially they disobey God. They say, God, I don't want community the way you designed community, and so I will choose my own way. And our first parents, Adam and Eve, made a choice to separate from the community that God had created for them. And I believe we've always been looking for that community back. There's a hunger in us, a longing in us. Some of us are okay being single, but our singleness just drives us to loneliness, and there's this hunger for some greater community. And then we get married, and we realize it's still slightly incomplete, and that not everything in marriage or a marriage situation doesn't go all that well, and we hunger for family and then we have kids and and we hunger for that family and then our kids leave home and we hunger for what we used to have i don't know anyone who's come to a church and says i don't want anyone in this church i want to be completely by myself you know what i hear nobody talk to me i almost always hear things like that or people were really friendly i'm i'm thankful that's seems to be what i hear either you don't like telling me the truth or that's real. But here at Urban Grace, people are friendly. I'm like, we're friendly? How can we not be friendly? That's amazing that there are churches that are not friendly. And I'll tell you why. is because the church is designed to be the community that we're all longing for. Somewhere deep inside of us, we're all longing for the community that the church should be. In fact, I'm going to make the argument that should be, is. The question is, what has happened to us that our, our church community is not what it should be? I think there's three conversions that go on when you follow Jesus. There's the conversion, first of all, to Jesus. That you turn your life over to Jesus and you give him the reins in your life. That's why Matt said, even in our membership covenant, I affirm that I have given my life to Jesus. He is my Lord. He is in control. He is my Savior. He saves me from my sin. I affirm that. That's first. But then there's this conversion to, to the church. Because the church is described, as we talked about in, in the first week, as the bride of Christ, the very place in which God wants to be. He's in relationship. That, that metaphor of bride has this relational impact to it. And then there's, there's the mission. But I, I would say that the, that the church is where this conversion really gets understood. We believe in Jesus. That's one thing. But once we enter into the community that Jesus creates, then we begin to understand. Then we begin to grow. I heard someone pray at our city group on Thursday night. I don't know how you can grow in your understanding of Jesus without community. That's the way they prayed. Jesus, thank you for community. Without community, we can't know you. That's, that's an amazing statement. 
when you think about it. Because some of us have basically said, I love Jesus, I like this idea of, of the relationship that I have with Jesus, but I'm not sure about the church. I'm not sure about the community. And we have all kinds of, uh, of, of excuses for that. I know that. I've had them. But this morning I want to talk about two specific questions. The first question is, how is community built? And the second question is, what is community built for? So if you want to flip the, the flip, ooh, that is good. How is community built? I want you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible this morning, would you raise your hand and someone who has a Bible will bring one to you. One of our ushers will do that. If that's your first Bible, please keep it. Um, we want you to have it because you're going to need it if you're going to be back here uh, week after week. See what I did there? If you join this community. And we want to look at Ephesians chapter 2 and just a little bit of background. Uh, for those of you who don't know much about Ephesians, Ephesians is a letter written to a church group. Um, and really, it dis- it's an amazing book. It's very helpful for new churches because in the first three chapters, it describes how you become a Christian. And then the last three chapters, it describes what this actually means. And so that's why I said in, in chapter 2, we're still the 24,000 foot view. But, but the, the title above my scripture says, One in Christ. And so this is what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. I'm going to read to 16. It says, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. I'll try and explain that to you later. Which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one. You hear that? Who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. You think about this for a second. You think about how community is formed. And so think for wi- with me as, as, w- as we get into this, or as we're even partway through this, how does the communities that you're part of, how are they formed most often? What are they formed around? Well, they're, they're usually, they start with kind of one affinity toward one particular thing, don't they? So it's either we all like the same sports team or we all like the same hobby perhaps we all live in the same neighborhood perhaps we all live in the same city perhaps we all like the same band perhaps we all dress the same way perhaps we all are the same age perhaps we're all the same color you think about all kinds of different ethnicities that are uh, that are out there and, and they're they're drawn to one another most often when new ethnicities show up in our city, they're most often drawn together. When, when, when new communities are formed, they're usually formed of what one thing. And actually, Christianity is no different. But here's the one thing that Christians are formed around, Jesus Christ. And this is what Jesus does. Jesus breaks down all the barriers that used to be there. And so I said I would explain a little bit. I don't know how I'm going to do this simply, but um, there were two groups of people, the circumcised and the uncircumcised. Anyone uncomfortable yet? Right, that's how they describe That's how they divided it up. Aren't you thankful for the new covenant that that is not the way we divide up our congregation? Okay, those of you who eight days after you were born, if you could sit on this side, That's how they were divided up in those days. There was this group here. The circumcised were those who were dedicated to God. And if you know what circumcision is, you would say, yeah, that is dedication, actually. That's a commitment. And then there's this group here. They're just everyone else. 
That's what a Gentile was. They're everyone else. These people here, they're committed to the God of the Bible. They're committed to follow the law with all of their heart, soul, and mind. These people over here, they're just on the outside looking in. And there's this huge barrier between the two of them. Like huge barrier. There is no greater barrier, I think, that we tackle in culture today than either the religious or ethnic barrier. Am I right on that? Like these are the barriers that separate countries from each other. These are the barriers that cause wars. There's no real war formed around you like indie pop and I don't. That's just a discussion. But there is war about I serve this God and you don't. And so we're not talking to a group of people that were used to these kind of shallow separations between two people. We're talking about people who I literally will not associate with you. I literally am not allowed to allow your way of thinking to infiltrate me. And this is what the writer of this letter says to those people. Jesus Christ destroys the barrier between you. There is no such thing as the circumcised and the uncircumcised. Yeah, someone say amen to that. All the guys in the house say amen to that. Right? This, this is not a divider anymore. There is no Jew, Gentile. There are those who, how do they, how is this barrier erased? Well, Jesus comes and he makes it about himself. He does not make it about pursuing God in any way. He does not make it about a certain type of law. He does not make it about a certain ethnicity. He says, through me, all people, all people have access to God. Anyone who wants it, it doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter where you come from in the world. It doesn't matter what you look like, man or woman. It doesn't matter. It's all about me. Now, why do you think we say Jesus' name over and over again here? Because we don't belong together as a group. Let's just admit that without Jesus Christ. I mean, we sat in our city group on Thursday night. We're looking around and someone says, man, this, this group would never get together if it weren't for Jesus. We're like, totally. We don't all like the same music. We're not all the same age. Some of us have very differing opinions on sports. Some of us have differing opinions on politics. Some of us have differing opinions on who's cool and who's not. But we all have oneness through Jesus Christ. And so we can unite over that. Here's what's amazing. Why in the world does the church have barriers within it? Why have we separated ourselves so much so that we actually think it's reasonable to show up in a church family and go, I don't fit in. You ever thought about that? There is no one here like me. Did you know that's not an excuse from Scripture? There is no way that we can say there is no one like you. If you believe in Jesus Christ, someone is like you. We're all like each other. Now, some of you have gray hair and some of you don't. Some of you are super cool looking and ah, some of you aren't. Right? Just ask the person who's cool. Like the, right? That's how it works. Now, now here's the issue is that you, you laugh at that, but inside you make up barriers. I know you do because I do too. And here are the barriers that you make up inside your head. I'm too smart for these people. Or you do it the opposite. I'm too dumb. Or I'm prettier than everyone else. Or I'm not pretty enough. Or I'm too old. Or I'm not old enough. I'm too young. Or I, I don't like the way that person thinks. Or I like it too much and yet here's what's amazing is that when you look in the book of ephesians he said there's no there's no barriers there's no barriers jesus christ through his death he eliminated all barriers we sang this song there is one mediator there's not four 
There's not four mediators and, and we're divided up into groups of this person uses this mediator and this person uses this mediator. There's a oneness here. That's actually what my text said. One in Christ. Not two, not three, not four. One in Christ. So how is community formed? I would make the argument that community can't be formed until it's centered around Jesus Christ. Because it will always be to the way you dress, your age, what you like, kind of music. When you think about the church maybe that you're come from, coming from, the local church expression that you're coming from, you see it as separate from this one because this one has music that you actually like. Or this one has preaching that you actually can listen to. Now I'm not talking about like false teaching, I'm talking about preference. And you set a barrier in your mind that separates you. You think your church is better than everyone else's. We think our church is better than it. Just ask us. And yet, what does the text say? There's one church. There's one church. Many different families. One church. I think if we don't understand this, we can never really move on from this. And when we think about why do we sing so much about Jesus, why do we talk so much about Jesus, because it says we were once alienated from God, and so we see that community is built the same way the pattern of God works. And the pattern of God is this. You and I were once alienated from that community that exists the father the son and the holy spirit we're alienated there was a barrier this barrier wasn't about what the kind of music we listened to though this barrier was about we did not listen to the right way that god had displayed for us that he taught us about in the very first chapter of the book of genesis we disobeyed that we thought we had the corner on how to develop community and that barrier had just driven us apart. In fact, that's what you see in the story of God. You just see constant division, constant division, until the people of God, by the end of the Old Testament, that's the Old Covenant, that's, that, that's all the books kind of prior to Jesus, you see the people of God so split up that they're not even talking to one. They're at war with one another. And Jesus comes and says, there's one mediator. There is one way to God. There is one person that we're centered around. Our barrier isn't about what we believe. Uh, the barriers that come up in our church, it's not about what we believe. It's, it's, it's barriers that we set up ourselves. And it's a challenge for us as we build and develop community. It's a challenge. What barrier have you set up? What have you made your community about? How have you formed community, even within this, this church family, within the big and within the small? What have you set up? What have you put that separates you from other people? Have you? Those who are the fullest here, living life to the fullest, are those who have said, no, there is no barrier. Young, old, big, small, cool, not cool, doesn't matter. Through Jesus Christ, we are one. How is community built? Through Jesus Christ. But that's not the end. Because leading out of that, the writer of Ephesians then talks about what community is for. And so I want to answer that question by, by saying two things. What is community for? I would say it's a place to receive the good news of Jesus Christ and a place to give to the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and this is helpful because sometimes we, when we think of community, we think of a place of exclusively where we get, right? And you think of all the kinds of, of excuses that you have perhaps used 
either in the past or even presently or while you're in community, kind of separate you from community as to why you don't need to be a part of it. Like, I don't get anything out of it. That, is that one? It's too difficult. It's embarrassing. These people are not like me. I don't have anything in common with them. I want you to think about your own excuses and your own reasons for why you think community is there for. And, and, and we want to talk about this starting in, in verse 17. And here's what it says. And he came and preached peace to, to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. I want to stop right there. He came and preached peace to those who were near and those who were far off. I think this is a, a beautiful picture of what he understands, that is, Jesus understands the community to be. And Jesus, who broke the barrier by dying in our place and establishing that there is no, there is no separation for those who are in him, he describes the church community as a place to receive Jesus. I love that. This is why it's so important to us each week. What we don't want you to think of our city groups or even the way we develop this is, is that you simply sit here as a consumer of information on how to live your life better. We feel like we have a responsibility to, to allow you to hear and see Jesus in what we're doing. And our, our, our biggest design for a place for you to receive Jesus, a reminder of what Jesus has done for you in your place, on your behalf. And our small is designed in the same way. Ultimately, not just to study a Bible to get more information. And so someone says like, hey, I hear you and your church, what do you, you have your Bible study groups that meet every week. And we say, no, it's not a Bible study. It's a city group. It's a place. And I'll get, I'll get into even why we would call it a city group but a place where you hear the good news of Jesus Christ. How many of you need to hear it regularly? For those of you who have been here for a long time, you know this because when we first started doing this, I remember when we preached the book of Galatians, I said, I'm going to tell you the gospel every week, and it's going to come to a point where you're going to ask me to tell you the gospel every week. That word gospel is just the good news about Jesus. That's, that's the Bible's shorthand word for this. And usually it's described, sometimes Christians describe the gospel as kind of the information that you need to know to get into the community. But then once you're into the community, then you figure out how to establish an affinity group within that community. And so we've actually split our churches up sometimes over this, right? We have youth groups. We have empty nesters. We have young adults. We have those who like music. We have those who don't. And even within our city group system, we say, what's your affinity? It's only about where you live, but that's really for organizational purposes. Because we want people who love Jesus, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you've come from, doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, we want you to be involved in a family like this. So even in the way that we design that, regardless, we want it to be a place where you can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. It's hard work. It's hard work to... To hear it, it's hard work to organize yourself to show up for this. I know, I get it. But here's what I want to say. Is You can flip to the next slide, I believe. There's a couple of verses, I think there is. Community is a place to receive. The Bible talks about the, 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 the Christian life as a fight. Um, next slide, please. The Bible is described as a fight. And here's kind of the, how the fight is described. Uh, in 1 Peter 5.8, Peter was an, an, a, a, a leader in the church. He was given kind of the keys to the original church from Jesus. And he said this, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to devour. Did you know if you try and pursue Jesus that there is an adversary that wants to destroy the good news that you keep hearing over and over again? He's looking 
to devour you. He's looking to take it away from you. He's looking to preach a different message other than God loves you so much that he would send his son to die in your place on your behalf to provide access to him and provide opportunity for you to experience life forever and participation in a kingdom that's going to make everything right one day. Did you know that there's an adversary that is prowling around right now saying, I don't want you to hear that. I don't want you to hear that. Don't believe that. Don't follow that. Don't live as if that's true. And how are you going to sort through the voices? Well, we say, Jesus gave you an opportunity to, to hear it by giving you community, by living in community. 1 Timothy 6.12 says to fight the good fight of faith. So it sounds a lot like the Christian life sounds a lot of a battle language, and I, I believe that it is. And you, you might know this if you've ever tried to follow Jesus. You have a battle on your hands. You have a fight ahead of you. How are you going to fight? Do you know any military operation that chooses to fight as individuals? Do you know any successful military that says, all right, I want each of you to go on your own and fight the battle in whatever way you think is best? Have you ever heard of a military strategy like that? That's because you haven't because it doesn't work. You cannot fight a battle on your own. You must fight it in community. You must fight with others. So in these in our city groups, they are designed to help us learn what we would call gospel fluency. I love that word fluency. That word talks about kind of language, right? If you're fluent in a language, you can speak it quite well. How, uh, friends, how do you get fluent in a language? The be- what's the best way to get fluent in a language? Speaking with others. Do you, do you learn a language best by going on Rosetta Stone and repeating, or do you learn a language best by immersing yourself in a culture where they already speak that language and you just pick it up. I mean, someone said it's crazy that you can do that and in three weeks you can grasp enough of the local language that you can almost begin to speak it if you're paying attention. And we would say this is exactly how we want city groups to function, that you just hear how Jesus works and what Jesus does so that you start to become fluent with the message that Jesus wants you to constantly hear, so that you become fluent in the ways of God and the story of God. Now, does it take time to learn the language in in the story of God? Absolutely. But we say the best way is not to simply get up every morning and read your Bible by yourself and try to grow. The best way you learn how to be gospel fluent is by hearing someone else's story about how they're dealing with it and how they've applied Jesus to what they're doing. And so I would say community is really designed as a, as a context by which you can receive the good news over and over again. I know over time that our city group continues to learn to the point where, where, where this last Thursday all we did was sit down and I asked three questions. And the first one took us almost an hour and I said, what is the gospel? So I didn't, I'm, I'm not moving beyond the basics. Now I've been in Christian ministry for are officially paid Christian ministry for 15 years plus. That is the most basic question you can ask. And it was some of the richest time of our month. Was just hearing, like, what, what is it about Jesus that you love? Oh, I love that too. What is it about Jesus that's been so helpful? Oh, that's so helpful too. And I went into community actually quite discouraged with, with my own life, things in my own life, and frustrated at my own lack and I actually thought in my head I don't really want community what would be really healthy for me if I just sat down and watched the the flames beat the kings that would really give me refreshment and halfway through the night I thought can you believe that I listened to that message I would have listened to that message and missed out on hearing the people that are in my family tell me the gospel? Me, the gospel. I mean, I do this full time, you guys. I don't know if you noticed that. And I needed it. I needed it. I'm responsible to make sure it's being taught 
in our church, and I needed the gospel, how much more? For those of you who do not do this for a living, who don't have that great opportunity, we want you to be in community so that you can receive the good news of the gospel over and over again so you become, you become fluent in it so that when someone says, hey, why are you able to live your life? You can say, because of what Jesus has done for me. You know it. You're fluent in it. But community doesn't just give you the context to receive. And this is what, what is so important for us to know is that community gives us a context to give. And that's, that's the last part of Ephesians, and we'll close this thing out here on this. Community gives us a place to give. It says, and he came and preached peace to, to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You see, one of the things that God is doing in community, one of the things that Jesus does in community is he gives you a context by which to give to so that you may accomplish the mission of God, which is to tell as many people as possible and to uh, invite as many people as possible inside of that family and community. And, and this is where it's so important for us to understand that community isn't the end in, in and of itself. That the community is built so that it can then give and, and, and it has a mission. The mission of God is not the church. The church of God has a mission. And that mission is to invite people in to the family of God. As many who would believe. As many who would believe. And so what do we even do in that community to, to, to give to it? Well, I say you give to it, first of all, I think this is there, by loving one another. Right? If you believe that you are a Christian, and if you believe that because you're a Christian, this means that you should love one another, how are you going to love one another when you don't have one another's? Have you ever thought of that? If we don't have a place to have one another's, we never get to try out how bad we are at loving one another. There's, there's nothing that reveals to you or me how selfish we are like loving people that are hard to love, right? We have them all over the place. Turn and look at someone next to you. They're right there. Just kidding. Don't do that. That's embarrassing. But some, some of us say, like, why? Do, and I say this sometimes, too. Why do all the people that aren't easy to love sometimes show up in my community? Wait a second. That's God's way of saying, I want to give you a chance to love one another. You really start to know when you love one another. When you try to love one another. You, you, you really start to understand if you're actually capable of loving. And you understand your weakness. You understand how difficult this is. And so we want you to live in community because we want you to experience what it's like to love one another. It's easy to say we love one another when all we have to do is show up to a meeting. When we actually start living in community, if you're part of a family, do you, do you have any idea when you're part of a family how difficult it is at times? Like they're like, can you help me move? And you're like, oh, shoot, I'd love to, but I don't really want to. Then you realize that you're a family, and that's what families do, and you love them, and so you say, I don't really want to do this, but I will do this because I love you. And then you realize that in that process, that somehow it's just so much easier because there comes a time when you need something, and because someone loves you, they help you, and then you begin to understand, and the relationship becomes a family. What else does community do? Well, there's a couple of images in here that I think are so good, and one is that we are fellow citizens, a.k.a. city groups. Cool, hey? And then there's another one, which is we are being built into temple. 
And so what does community do? We build together. You can't really build a city by yourself. No one can. There's an, there's an, old, there's an old book called The City of God. And it's really, it's, it's an ancient book. It's really hard to read. I haven't made my way through it. I just read kind of the reviews of it so I could get the gist of it. But the author basically says there are two types of people in this world. Those who are committed to building God's city the way God wants it, God's communion, those who are the city of man or woman. It doesn't really, they weren't trying to be um, gender specific there. But he says you're either building God's community or you're building your community. There's only these two choices. He said we're all citizens. The question is simply what city are we a part of? But if you ask anyone who's good at city building or city planning, you don't plan or build a city by yourself. You build it with people. You don't build community by yourself. You build it with people. You have to have people to build together. It's another reason why we want you to be involved in community. Yes, the starting place for our communities are our Sunday mornings. Absolutely. To figure out what this particular family is about. I want to give you room to investigate and figure that out. But we also want to say there comes a time when you, your commitment to that and your family involvement goes deeper because we need your help to build. We want you to give to this project with your time and your effort and your resources. But then God's community is also being built into the temple. I love this image. And for some of you, this doesn't mean anything at all. But the temple of of God for anyone who is Jewish and still to this day would simply be the temple. The temple is the highlight. It's the pinnacle of the presence of God. For centuries, all the people of God wanted a permanent structure whereby the, the, the raw presence of God could be. And, and, and the temple wasn't very large by uh, ancient standards even. But it was very impressive because of the quality of materials. And it became the place that was the centerpiece for learning and knowing about God. It was the place where you went to sacrifice and, and feel the forgiveness of God for your sins. It was the place where you felt the holiness and the otherness of God. There were specific people that could go into the temple. And in order to go into the temple, you had to, to wash seven times and be clean and you had to be from the tribe of Levi that those those were the qualifications I can't really go into that but I'm just saying qualifications with which to enter into the temple of God and so you would go in and you would hope for a glimpse of the otherness of God but even the way that was designed there was something about it that you just were able to experience how powerful and how important God was within the community it was also the place in which you often would sit on the temple steps and, and communicate about what was going on. This is where the, the prophets would often center their lives around communication. And here is what's amazing, is that what is God choosing to do with his communities? Not choosing to put his presence or his holiness in a building anymore. What does it say? So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. You and I then, as the community of God, become the temple. You and I, as the community of God, become the presence of God to the world. You and I, being made into the temple, become an image of the holiness and otherness and awesomeness of God. You and I become the communication of, of how much God wants to be in relationship with us to our world. This is an amazing thing, all done through Jesus Christ. All done through Jesus Christ. I wonder if you've thought of yourself as the presence of God. That as, hey, when we meet and gather together in the name of Jesus Christ for a city group and do things in the name of Jesus, we are the presence of a holy, awesome, amazing God to our community. Have you thought about that? 
Have you thought about the enormous responsibility that that is? Have you thought of the enormous opportunity that is? The God of the universe is choosing to inhabit in people who are gathered together in his name to proclaim himself to the lost world? It's an enormous responsibility. It's an enormous opportunity that God would somehow trust us, broken people, who put up crazy barriers for ourselves sometimes. So why don't we do it? Why don't we do it? I mean, it sounds awesome, at least to some of us, right? Why, why doesn't it happen more often? Because a lot of reasons. One of them, I think, is because community is an enormous mirror into our own life. There's nothing that reveals what you're like like actually living in community. I mean, I love my family dear, dearly, and they, I believe they love me. They know what I'm like. They know what I'm really like. They know if I stand up here and say things, if that's really how it is. They know it's impossible for me to hide from my family in some ways. This is why we don't want to do this. Because sometimes we are so frustrated, we're so embarrassed of ourselves. Or we think too highly of ourselves. We think we're better than everyone else and we don't need other people. And all community will do is drag us down or reveal what we're really like. And we don't like to think of ourselves as being dragged down or lower than who we are. And so we'll just avoid community altogether. I see this happen in my own life. Didn't I just tell that to you? What was my first response? When I was feeling discouraged, when I was feeling frustrated, when I was feeling self-righteous, what did I want to do? I wanted to eliminate the mirror of community that would reveal to me how selfish I was. And I wanted to cozy up into my own, like, hey, maybe this, maybe one team beating another sports team will provide the fulfillment and enjoyment that I really need and the passion and the purpose in life that I really need. Can you believe that I even thought that? I bet you can because I bet you this is the argument that has sometimes gone on in your head. And this is why we don't do it. And so, friends, I'm just saying, this is difficult. Living in community, joining a city group, it's awkward. It's inconvenient. We're working so hard to make it geographically uh, make sense so that at least there's not the geographical piece that interferes with the barrier. But I tell you, it's not going to be the only barrier to you. I'm positive for the first little bit, if this is brand new for you, you're going to think people that these people are weird. I can almost guarantee, we think we're weird. I mean, in our, in our city group, and I can't speak for all city groups, but in our city group that we lead, I kind of look around, I'm like, we're, we're kind of weird sometimes. Like, if you were a visitor, you'd be like, well, I don't understand why you're laughing at that joke. That doesn't make any sense. I don't, I don't know why you introduce your city group watching a weird video about a guy who can't sing. That doesn't make any sense. That's weird. See? Those people are in my city group. They're laughing. You're not. It's not easy. It's not always fun. But I'll tell you what it is. It is an instrument by which I have the opportunity to either give to the mission of God so that I no longer become a consumer. This is the other reason I believe it's so hard to enter into community. We live in a culture that is so highly consumeristic that we actually think it's normal for us to talk about church life and community in consumeristic terms. We think it's normal to say, I don't like what they're doing, so I, I don't get a lot out of it. And I would say, weird, because when you read Scripture, it doesn't say you're supposed to join community because you get a lot out of it. It says you need to be part of community so you can give to it, so you can be part of the proclamation of God, so that you can be part of the presence of God. Jesus doesn't say, 
become a disciple of mine because life will get so much easier and you'll continually receive and receive and receive all kinds of great things. He says, no, it's difficult. The road is, is narrow and the, and, and, the, and the door is small. And you've got to count the cost to see, is this something I want to be a part of? And it's a great challenge to us. And so as we close, I simply want you to think through this. And this is, you think maybe I've directed at those who are outside the community. I don't, I don't think it has been because for various reasons, and you've got all your reasons, although you're a church family and what you've experienced right now is awesome, or so you think, there will come a time when it gets difficult when you'll have that mirror show you who you really are, when it becomes inconvenient, when you forget, when you, like me, buy into the consumeristic mentality that we have in our culture where it's about us. And here's what I would say. Jesus says that when we believe in him, we join a church family. We join his family that starts now and begins and never ends. You and I are invited to participate in a family that begins but never dies, that is birthed out of his great love for us and his death and his resurrection for us, and then it moves towards ultimate restoration of all things forever. I think sometimes we think of... Of, of, of heaven as a place that, that there's no one else. It's full, full of really nice mountains and trees and no people. But it doesn't. It is primarily filled with people. It is primarily filled with people who love one another, who love the king, who are eager to tell people about the presence of God. And it's a great opportunity, friends, and it's a high value here at Urban Grace. We believe in this so much, we've held off from starting other programs so that we cannot have more barriers for you to join community. We want to make it as easy as possible in your schedule to be part of what we're doing, be part of what God is doing. So let me invite the band. And as, as we close, what I want to remind you is before you think about joining community or before you get discouraged or you feel condemned about anything this morning, what I want you to hear is the invitation to church family, to community from Jesus. He said there was a barrier between you and God. There was a barrier between your relationship of God. At one time you were not a part of God's family, but now through Jesus you can be. And so each week we just want to remember that. And so this morning, as you partake, here are our symbols. We call it the family meal, the household meal, whereby we gather around and we eat together and are reminded of what we have through Jesus Christ. It's represented by the bread, which represents Christ's body, that he was one of us. He did not wait for us to come to him. He came to us in the flesh. But he didn't just come to us. He died on our behalf to eliminate all the barriers between himself and God the Father. And that is symbolized through the shed blood, through the grape juice, through the wine. And so this morning, if you believe that, please come and celebrate that together. Steve, would you lead us?